Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Am I the only one who thinks this is totally insane? Rob, we're fighting theological injustice here. They're not using just weights and measures. He said we have 50 listeners. I think he's being generous. Rage Bible is interpreted by experts. Rob, are you as shocked as I am? It's nonsense. If you've given any money to this, you need to complain. You ask for your money back. I don't know about you, but I find this annoying. What up and shalom. Welcome to the Rob and Caleb show. My name. Oh, well, I suppose we should give our tagline the show where theology matters and scholarship counts. My name and theolo- is and theology matters. And theology matters. My name is Caleb Hagg and with me, of course, Rob Van Hoff. What up, Rob? How's it going, brother? Hey, Caleb. I just sat. I'm doing great. Thanks. Um, oh, first off, this show is not recorded before a live listening audience. This That's right. Is, uh, this is this is disclaimer. This is true po- <laughs> true podcast form. So, uh, Lord willing, we we hope that as many as our uh, normal listeners will be able to log in and interact on the the uh, chat room while they're listening to a recording, which is weird because it takes away that element where we're interacting. So, uh, uh, anyway, Caleb, you you just threw something. Yes. <laughs> Remember, was it on? Was it David Letterman or Johnny Carr? He'd he'd yeah. throw a card and it would go like yeah Letterman. I think we, I think we need to like <laughs> do something like that. Uh, so crashing hey, glass. Hey, I don't know if you realize this, but when the uh, day when this uh, when this episode will actually air will be the week after camp. We will have just finished camp. Oh. So okay. I'm sure we had a good time. <laughs> well, for those who don't know, we're recording this. Uh, actually, it is uh, July. It's in the middle of July when we're recording this. We're doing this, uh, pre-recording this, uh, so that we have an extra show while I am on vacation in September. Um, so we're going to be addressing an issue, or maybe a lecture, I should say. It's not really an issue. We're going to be addressing a lecture that, uh, so in July... Um, the show of July 13th, we talked about Jeremiah Michael, uh, with FFOZ and his talk on, um, let's see here. What was it? It was oral Torah and the Messianic Hashkafa, which means outlook or uh, worldview. And, and the way they're using it, it's, it's theology. It's really. theology. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the word theology. It's, but there's a branding going on, right? No one, sure. el- there's no one else in, in the Messianic world that I know that you have set up a term hashkafa. Yeah. But as, why do you think that is? I, once again, I think well, it's that, a brand. It's brand. It's marketing. You think it's marketing? No, I disagree. Okay. I disagree. I think that, I think that it's because that's the word that Orthodox, that in their mind, Orthodox Jews use. I think it's, it's once again, attempting to align themselves with, I see it as, I see it as vision casting. Yeah, that might be true. Yeah. In I, other I, words, I'm with you on that. They want to rally people around their vision, and they, in order to do that, as any marketer, you know, of an idea knows, you have to have something. Well, we do that. That yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, one Torah. Yeah, you know, exactly. One Torah. You know, it's a, it's so hashkafa. Um, they they want to brand not only the the word the name, but also to provide its definition and its meaning. Uh, so, sure. 
And, and you know, to be so, this show we were going to try to do this all in one show. We were going to try to do the Jeremiah Michael lecture and the Toby Janicki lecture all in one show. But there was so much to get to with uh, with uh, Jeremiah Michael's uh, uh, all the different clips that I pulled from his lecture. We just didn't have time. And so uh, now I said on the show on the thirteenth uh, of July which was months ago now, that's show 131. So if you want to go back into the archives on our Vimeo page or whatever, you can watch that show. You can listen to it on our podcast on uh, iTunes, which is the Robin Caleb show. If you put in the Robin Caleb show into iTunes, our show will pop up. Um, so anyway, uh, you can go listen to that if you want to. And I, I, I mentioned on that show, you know, I, I have a lot in common with, uh, with Toby Janicki. I really like Toby. He's a very nice guy. You know, I believe he loves the Lord with all his heart, and he's really striving to do, you know, to, to live out his faith in the best way he knows how. So this is not to put Toby down. Uh, however, I believe his theology is, is uh, greatly in error. And that's why what we're going to talk about is to, just to uh, see theologically how, uh, how we would approach uh, such theology, whether it was from Toby or anyone else, or FFOZ or another group or not. So this isn't trying to, to pick on Toby. You know, Toby's a, Toby likes good music. <laughs> he likes the style of music I like. So, uh, yeah, he's a kindred spirit in that, in that, uh, respect. And, you know, I, I, I know Toby, I've, you know, we've had many, uh, meals together. We've had Arab Shabbat meals together. Um, so yeah, I like Toby. Nice guy. Okay. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about theology. Anything else you want to, I mean, we could, we can go dr directly into this since we don't have a, uh, you know, it's a little weird because we well, can't... one of the one of the issues. I guess we can say this. This will connect with our uh, the the last one we did on this topic, which yeah, was the, so... oral, the oral Torah. Was is is this to kind of give a big picture for the listeners? Is that here's here's the problem. The problem that we're talking about is as disciples of Yeshua, and and then specifically those who are ethnically Jewish. Yeah, disciples of Yeshua, um, and and the desire to uh, be able to be sociable, you know, to connect uh, with uh, uh, observant, halakhically observant, and and literary, literarily engaged <laughs> um, Jews. So what I mean by that is Jews that are not only uh, living a, a halakhically defined uh, life sure. in, in community, but are also engaged in uh, the reading and study of, of the vast sea of, of Talmud and Midrashim and Zohar, and uh, as, as part of the, the worldview or the lens, the Hashkafa, with which they read the Torah of Moshe and the prophets. And, they, and, and so the, the conundrum or the, the, the uh, predicament of the Jewish disciple of Yeshua who wants to pursue a Torah lifestyle and who wants to connect with his uh, Jewish brothers who have no interest, at least at this point, in, in the gospel of Yeshua, to, to try to connect with them in their own terms. In other words, to try, uh, do I join with them in their yeshivot and studying the Talmud and the studying the Zohar and things like that in an, in an effort to learn better Torah? Or do I do that in order to uh, connect with people for the sake of mission? 
And I think one of the one of the angles here is what we need to be aware of is our discipleship to Yeshua is based on community and that and the Great Commission. And so in in some respects, the, the conundrum of the Jewish believer in Yeshua towards other non-believing Jews, in my view, first and foremost, must, must be framed by what we would call mission, mission generally, that you, you, you uh, learn a local language, kind of like, you know, Caleb, you've been reading Hudson Taylor, going, learning, learning customs, learning um, language, connecting with people, and then translating your message into their world through the authentic relationship building in, in that scenario. Um, but at no point, if we use the Hudson Taylor example, he didn't adopt Chinese theology, right, or, or adopt uh, Confucius uh, wisdom or uh, any of the Buddhists or any of the different kinds of uh, what we would call religious, I'm using danger <clears throat> quotes here, um, religious uh, traditions of, of China. No, he's, he is oriented to Messiah in him, right? Messiah in him, and that's what he wants to share. Okay, so what's the difference between that and a Jewish believer in Yeshua who wants to reach uh, Jewish people? Uh, the, the difference is that Israel, there's an Israel defined by covenant. And so it's a little bit different than Hudson Taylor going to China, right? But, but, like, like Hudson Taylor going to China, the Jewish believer in Yeshua by definition, has to discern sharply between the Word of God and the traditions of men, and has to be able to go in and, sure, let's study the Talmud, let's study the Zohar, let's study these things, but not as sacred text. And not to adopt, uh, adopt theology. Not to adopt it. It can't be sacred text any more than, than uh, Hudson Taylor's study of Chinese and learning of Confucius sayings or whatever, you know, was going to increase his wisdom of, of the Bible or Yeshua. No, he's, uh, what he's learning is about a culture that is basically the target of his mission. Um, and what, what I hear with, you know, some of the uh, ideology that I'm hearing with that kind of let's embrace oral Torah as part of our life practice is a blurring of those lines to where it's like, you know what, I, we don't even have mission really anymore. Um, and somehow we're going to hold, we believe that we're going to hold to a Yeshua-centered life, where Yeshua is the, the beginning and the end of my life, uh, but yet I'm going to go into a world where I can't talk about him all the time. You know, the big conundrum for the early dis- disciples in Yeshua was that they were talking about Yeshua all the time. time yeah. All the time. And they, the authorities, if we're going to read uh, the scribes and the Pharisees, as the Sanhedrin, as it seems like that has, was put forward. Well, what about the Book of Acts, where they're in front of the Sanhedrin and say, "Well, look, hey, we got to obey God, not you." Sure. We're gonna we're gonna keep talking about Yeshua, and there were social, radical, you know, very uh, drastic social ramifications of that, and um, I think that has to be our core. That's the that's the. That's the blade of the Word of God. That's not man trying to bring a division. That's just where the sword divides. Well, there's something else going on here, too, and that is, okay, so let's say that 
uh, I mean, we're talking about F of O Z, so let's pretend for a few seconds that F of O Z is trying to get into be a part of, you know, and my and Jeremiah Michael says this that they that they want to be seen as a part of the wider Orthodox Judaism. If that's the case, and you're going to accept Talmud, then you would have to uh, accept the lower <laughs> the lower view of Gentiles that Orthodox Jews accept, yeah. whether or not they admit it or not. They're going to say, no, we don't have a lower view of Gentiles, but the, that's simply not the case. There is a lower view of Gentiles, and it seems like um, it seems like uh, the. the F of O Z with the divine invitation uh, theology that they've accepted has already started to kind of do that. Well, then there's the other part to it. If that's going to get you acceptance at the table, at the study of Talmud with the Orthodox Jews, which it still, I don't believe, is going to do. But if it is, if that's going to get you that seat at the, the study table with the Orthodox Jews, then we have, then. First of all, I don't understand how the Jews are, the Orthodox Jews are not going to say, well, if you believe in Yeshua, do you believe he's divine? If you say yes, then automatically your seat is going to get revoked at that table anyway. Right? And if you say no, the automatic question that I would think the Jews would say, would ask is, well, did Yeshua say he was divine? And if so, are you not uh, believing what he taught? The yeah, big, the, uh, the, there's a big conundrum there. There's a big conundrum there. Now, the, big, the big rub with the Orthodox is that is that Yeshua uh, claimed to be divine. That he claimed to be on par with God, and they're right. He did. That's exactly what he claimed. So, um, and hey. that his uh, yeah yeah. And and here's one other point on this, and we'll probably touch on this as we go. Even though I have not heard any of the clips, I. I He's going in fresh, folks. Going in fresh. I just want to say that the te- we need to remember. The court of the Gentile, that whole, all the Herod's temple development was in a Roman, it was in the Roman era. Yeah. And if, if you were Roman in the first century BC, you were the best cake on earth, right? <laughs> Any non-Romans were like, barbi- you know, might as well have been a barbarian. Yeah. If you were, before that, if you were Greek, that was the top thing to be. You see what I mean? So this notion of nationalism and pride to the to the exclusion of the foreigner, as the foreigner is below that, is we need to look at that. Is that a biblical concept? Or is that a Gentile (laughs) idea, the idea of nationalist pride, like Roman pride or Greek pride? And then we see the the Talmudic era, this idea of uh, a a nationalist pride, Trying well, let, to navigate diaspora. Let's let's let uh, Toby tell us what F of O Z does and does not believe. First of all, I'm not sure what's going on, Rob, but your camera is shaking a lot. Up like that's because I'm excited. <laughs> Fair enough. I, okay, I, so I think I kicked I kicked my table. Let's start. Let's start uh, by listening to what uh, this is at the beginning of uh, Mr. Janicki's, uh lecture, and he's now. I will also give Janicki due measure here. This is the second lecture he gave. I have not listened to the first lecture that he gave at this conference. Okay. So uh, maybe that's, maybe that's not doing that's due process. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but granted, we might be missing things, but that, 
that would be true anyway. Right. <laughs> okay, so let's listen to what Mr. Janicki has to say about what FFOZ as an organization doesn't does not believe. I will admit, I took out some of the. Uh, now this is edited. I I didn't take out Janicki himself. Uh, I spliced him together. Instead, I took out his uh, uh, the the crowd and their kind of responses to what he's their interaction with him. I took out the crowd's interaction with him. Okay. I'm going to throw a statement up on the screen, and then you have to say either fact or false, okay? So. I know what you might be thinking. He got that wrong. True or false, right? No. He's taking this from the popular American TV show and British TV show, The Office. Uh, Fact or false? First Ritz of Zion teaches that only seven Noahide commandments apply to Gentiles. False. Second one, First Church of Zion teaches that Gentile believers have to keep only the four laws of Acts 15. False. All right. First Church of Zion teaches two law, one law for Jews and a different law for Gentiles. False. Oh, you guys should have skipped yesterday and then some of you might have said true, but it's false. Okay. Last one. Hang on just a sec. Now, that's important, okay? This is going to come back... Uh... We're going to come back and listen to this clip a second time uh, towards the end of the show. And so, but th- keep this in mind. So, Mr. Janicki here uh, is saying that F of o Z, uh, it does not teach what he's now terming two law as opposed to what has been termed one law. One law is that there's one law for the Jew and for the Gentile. If, uh, if it's a command in the Torah, the Gentile should keep it. Two law would be that God gave a set of rules, at least the way I'm defining it. Now, this is the way I'm defining it. This is not the way that uh, Janicki has defined it or even FFOZ has defined it. So this is my definition of two law. Two law would be that God gave one set of rules for the uh, Jews that the Gentiles don't have to keep. So that's one law for the Jews. And then there are laws that o- overlap, so the Gentiles have to keep some of the, lo- the laws. But there are laws that are distinct to Jews to separate them from everyone else. See, I see two law as, as uh, when I think as what we were talking about the oral Torah. Two Torahs given the myth of two Torahs at Sinai. Oh, I don't think that at all. I, I well, that's that's the, that's what it boils down to. The the people that we would say is two law, meaning one set for Jews and one for Gentiles, essentially are getting whatever. If you trace their thought process, it's going to have anchoring in. This idea that there's oral Torah that has some sort of authority. Oh, okay, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, we have to admit that there are people who would reject the, quote, oral Torah, but would say, well, kosher, keeping kosher is a law for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. Wearing tzitzit is a law for the Jews, not the Gentiles. Keeping the Sabbath is a law for the Jews, not the Gentiles. And the, re- and the reason why is because God was trying to separate the Jewish people those descended from that with physical bloodline from Jacob, trying to separate them as a distinct people from the rest of the nations. So, but would those people even say that there is a Torah at all for Gentiles? Then, though, well, wouldn't see, they say the Torah is for Jew? The Torah is for Jews and not for Gentiles. Yes, and yeah. I, now we're getting into the difference between what I would think of when I think of the UMJC, uh, who would say that the law is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles, as opposed to the MJAA that would say, well, the. the but it, once again, this would boil down to. This is a good conversation. Once again, this would boil down to the idea 
that, uh, I mean, even those in the UMJC who say the Torah is for the Jew, Jews and not for the Gentiles are still going to tell you that a Gentile shouldn't what? Shouldn't steal, shouldn't lie, shouldn't uh, gossip, shouldn't commit adultery. The Ten Commandments, six, oh, the Nine Commandments are for the, the uh, Gentiles. The, te- the Ten Commandments are for the Jews. So there's an extra law in there, you know, uh, those kind of things. So uh, when I think of that, what I'm thinking of is actual Torah commands. Take the, take the Talmud out of it. Now, I understand what you're trying to say. I think I do, at least. And correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is, is that if we trace that, that back, basically, that kind of theology comes from a rabbinical worldview or a rabbinical theology as opposed to a biblical theology. Is that what the you're saying? Talmud Hashkafa. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going with Janicki here. You guys should have skipped yesterday, and then some of you might have said true, but it's false. Okay. Last one. Are you ready? Yes? All right. First, your design teaches that Gentile believers have to keep the Torah. Fact. Fact. Gentile believers have a responsibility to keep the Torah. So let's talk about that. Now, I, I, before I listened to the rest of this lecture, the th- first thing that I thought Janicki was going to say was, yes, they have a responsibility to keep the Torah. And I think this is what he's going to end up saying anyway. They have responsible ability to keep the Torah. And that is the laws that apply to Gentiles. The Christian church would say that. They would just, yeah, they'd quibble they just, over they'd where, quib- the, where the boundary marker is, maybe. Well, they'd quibble over the word Torah. Is it ceremonial or is it moral? Yeah. Right? Because your, your typical, I, I would say, your typical, you know, Bible-believing American is going to say, if you ask them the moral law, they're going to be right on. Sure, yeah, yeah, moral yeah, law is obligatory, and they're going to have some <laughs> distinction probably between a moral and a ceremonial. Not not everybody, because only people who've kind of maybe thought about it or read a, a book or two about um, moral law. Yeah, but the point, I mean, what the place that I hear him going here is that... Uh, <laughs> is that, yeah, the Gentiles have to keep the Torah. And he's saying that there's not two laws. But, you know, you ask him, do the Gentiles have to keep kosher? I don't know what Janicki would say, to be honest with you. I don't. I can't figure out Janicki. Well, let's really... listen more. Let's listen, okay. see if we can learn more about his thought. Here we go. But even the Torah, right, it makes provision for people who would want to join themselves to Israel. Well, first you have the convert, the Gertzedek, someone who legally converts and becomes legally Jewish. It's a real process. It's not just something. Okay, hang on. You can't. Hey, stop. So, don't don't nah over him. You can't hear what he's saying. Seriously, we'll go back so that we can actually listen to the clip this time. <laughs> You were asleep at the switch there. No, I wasn't asleep at the switch. I'm trying to hear what he's saying. Good gracious. Let's listen again. Mute your mic if you don't. I'll mute my my mic. Someone who legally converts and becomes legally Jewish. It's a real process. It's not just something made up. So the Torah makes provision for a convert, someone who becomes legally Jewish, and it also makes provision for the resident alien, the Gertoshav. Okay, now for you, Rob, here we go. 
Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong one. Where was my buzzer? Ah, oh, my buzzer's gone. Well, I'm sorry. I don't have it. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, exactly. So, so is uh, he get, so is he just gonna drop that and then build with it, or is he gonna defend all those those assertions? Because he just made a lot of assertions about the Torah that I that would take quite a while for him to defend. He's, he's not gonna defend that. And actually, the funny thing is, is that. It's as if he hears us already, de- like, detracting from what he's saying. Because he's like, it's a real thing. It's not made up. Oh, here, you know, here's another point on that. Back to the original true fall or factor false. Like, uh, First Roots of Zion only teaches the four commandments from Acts 15. I, I know that's not true. Yeah, I think everybody knows that's not true. I know that's, that's not true. Not true. Um, what's a, what was one of the other ones? See, but listen, but let's listen to this part one more time. He's not going to clarify any of this, but he says the Gertzedek, someone who legally converts and becomes legally Jewish. It's a real process. It's not just something made up. It's like he has to defend it, but he can't defend it. So it it's it's a real process. It's not made up. I don't know why it reminds me of Donald Trump. I know words. I have the best words. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> right. Like he doesn't. Yeah. yeah those, the, those, he, he's I, not going to defend it. There's a per, there's uh, right there. You know, that's something that uh, it's good for for listeners, for our audience to, to get used to identifying assertions when when someone's yeah, up giving a presentation and they make an assertion um, and then continue to build off that assertion. It's good to to catch those and make note of them. And, and maybe you could have the opportunity to ask that person later to clarify, uh, to clarify, or if there's any place where they've uh, defended those assertions. Um, and then also we want to attend, attend to how that assertion is that assertion foundational to what they're going to say next. So, but okay. But hasn't Janicki basically, I know that Janicki's done work in uh, the Messiah journal, on this, uh, I think he's building off Tent of David and also uh, Lancaster's grafted in, right? So he's just well, that some of the I, some of my I don't know a lot, but I know some of the some of the FFOZ people have went through conversion process. So the the thing is, if they were to, they don't want to undermine their own their own conversion, their own conversion. I mean, if they if they talk if they say that it was man made, then they're they're undermining a building block of their of their hashkafa. Do you think that this has anything to do, though, with uh, what Jeremiah Michael taught? If FFOZ is actually accepting the idea that that the oral Torah, however they're defining that, who knows? You know, we have uh, Jeremiah Michael referring to the uh, what did he, the midrash as if we're supposed to understand what the midrash is. Like it's one thing. It's a book you buy. It's just called the Midrash. <laughs> but yeah, but that, that's just it. Is he refers to the Midrash, and then he, you know, and then he continues to quote from Talmud and Mishnah, and he defends the Talmud. So I have to assume that all of the Midrash, since he refers to the Midrash, so all of the Midrash he's accepting as as God, you know, as divinely sanctioned in some way, and the Talmud too. If Did this we, is, do we have any state? Well. I didn't get that clear of a of a of a tie down. I from, didn't get that the, clear. I didn't get that clear of a tie down either. I'm. I have to assume 
because of what he said. He refers to the Midrash. So what Midrash? I guess we're going to have to ex- assume that he's talking about yeah. all of it. Yeah. In terms of citing specific sources, I think to be to to try to give the benefit of the doubt, I think he uh, this other presentation. This was this other show that we we did. One thirty one. To 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 give the benefit of the doubt is to say, you know what? He probably was talking to an audience of various backgrounds and understandings, and he was trying to give a generalized overview. And so, and that's a difficult position to be in to try to uh, make a point. So I, I want to give him that. But okay, but, but my, my, side, my my definition, my, I, I would agree with you. Definition of terms was a, a big weakness, at least in the clips I heard. A lot of terms being thrown around without uh, defining them. Very similar to what we just heard about these uh, these series of assertions concerning conversion to Judaism as being rooted in the Torah, uh, but yet no no substantive uh, defense of those assertions or or even ev- no evidence to support it or anything like that. Well, yeah, but I, okay, and once it, but I guess the point that I was trying to get to was, if FVOZ is going to accept books like the Talmud and the Mishnah, and let's even say some of the uh, Gemara or the Which Midrash, is, oh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the, yeah the, I'm sorry, and the mid, some of the Midrash is what I meant. Well, he uh, did, he did decide, he did say though. Look, even if if we, if those Talmudic, the Babylonian Talmudic traditions that have the Yeshu. And that the you know the negative different portrayals of this character Yeshu, that uh, he says even if we grant even though he doesn't he says even if we were to grant that they were all about Yeshua those are agadic in nature yeah in okay, other words but, they're not hal- they don't have halakhic uh, sure. bite but that's so not therefore- that's not my point that's not my point my point is is that if they are accepting some of it if they're accepting the halakhic portion of it okay let's say the halakhic portion of it then then the conversion process would clearly be spelled out there. And that is where they would probably say that it has, that it's rooted in Bibli- in scripture. If he's going to use the, the oral Torah as scripture. I, I think that Janicki is well aware that he would be highly challenged to try to, uh, by us and others, to try to find uh, places within, within the 66 books of the, ca- of the biblical canon that give us that spell out a conversion process. I think that all of Romans, all of Galatians, is 100% against a conversion process. And Acts, too, right? Yeah, but they're, they're going to read it that it's discouraged. It, yeah, well, I, they have a different reading of those texts. Yeah, I, I understand they that. Promote, they I, promote I, I, a I understand very they different a, reading. I understand they have a different reading, but my point is, is that um, from a scholarly perspective, I think most scholars— most scholars today would say that they would that FFOZ is going to have a hard time finding that, and maybe most scholars are going to say that, that, that Torah resources is going to have a hard time trying to find where where Gentiles should keep the Torah. However, my point is is that I think that uh, especially with people like N.T. Wright and uh, and uh, E.P. Sanders and and the New Perspective, th- those who are upholding now what's called the New Perspective on Paul. The idea that uh, conversion to Judaism in the first century, if we can use that word, that term, conversion to whatever sect of Judaism in the first century, was not going to save you. There, it was of no value. And if, and if we accept, or even if we read some of these passages with the lens of the new, of various lenses of the various new perspectives on Paul, <laughs> I'm trying to be careful here. 
But <laughs> if we do that, if we if we do that, then all of a sudden, I think that FFOZ would have a, a significant pro, uh, a struggle. Let's say they would have a. a, a, a a greater struggle attempting to show that uh, the scriptures promote some form of a conversion process. Let's keep going with Toby. So, you know, the Jerusalem Council meets. Do we, you know, uh, do these Gentiles coming in, do we require them to, uh, uh, legal, to convert and to become legally Jewish, or does God accept them as they are? But they approach this as traditional Jews. They approach this within halakha. I mean, first of all, they're talking about conversion, which is a halakhic process. But, you know, obviously they decide, right, Gentiles do not have to Yeah, we got to stop it. I'm sorry. Time. Yeah, the, uh, the anachronisms. You know, it's... You know, it'd be great to see be great to see, and I don't know who the scholars are uh, in, in that or in the organization FFOZ. I don't know who's the, the ones who've done the, the rigorous language study and historical study and who has the, the education among them. But it would be great to see them regularly participating in the SBL, like local SBL, as well as the annual SBL and even ETS. I don't think that um, that's their passion, though. They're trying to go after the Orthodox Jews, right? Well, no, but here's here's the it, it it's a it's a nutrient that's lacking in the plant. I definitely agree with you. I think that they it, there's a there's a there's a there's a lot of good things, um, but because of a lack, and now that this is just one man's opinion, because of a, a lack of a certain kinds of nutrients, the that the plant is taking a, a strange shape. That's that's my perspective. Well, they're certainly reading a lot back into the yeah, and, and anachronism is 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 one of them. Uh, it 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 uh, they're showing their hand, yeah, you know, in a way. And it's like it's it's what the sad part is that this was what 2015. Yes, I mean, there's been uh, they've had since since the the divine invitation thing, which was oh nine oh eight oh nine. Since that time frame, there's been six or seven years where uh, people in, in their organization could have got a pretty rigorous education um, at, to come back at and, and still and be better equipped to even argue their own position. Um, but they would do it from a, 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 a position of strength and competency in uh, not only the theological, but the academic study of of their sources. Um, but instead what I'm hearing is what has won the day over the last seven years is romanticism with, uh, with the rabbinics. Well, uh, I agree, I agree with you. I and it seems like you, it's but... mostly it's mediated through, I would say it's probably mediated largely through English translations. Um, I, I don't, I'm not hearing the voice of someone who understand who, who can read a page of Talmud. I'm not hearing a, a person with that kind of authority. I'm hearing a person who's read a bunch of secondary works and has jumped to conclusions, but has not been in a peer review environment to even refine those. See, see, now, sad. I, it, to me, it's sad. 
See, now, when you say jump to conclusions, what, I, what I'm hearing, because I'm in the same boat, I couldn't pull out a, a, a page of Talmud, and, you know, in the Hebrew, sit down and just start studying. I'm not that well versed in my Hebrew. What I hear, however, and to be honest with you, that's not really my focus of study. My focus no, of study is much more in, in the Greek realm. But um, so what I hear is conclusions that have already been made and then attempting to, 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 to put all of to put everything into your conclusion as opposed to doing the study and finding the conclusion from the text itself. That's what right. I'm hearing. It, it's so it's, it's what we would call it's uh, eisegesis. Eisegesis, yeah. I hear, I hear eisegesis. Yeah, what, what, I'm hearing a lot of eisegesis around Acts 15 right now yes. in, in this last, I mean, and it's it is uh, it's shocking that here we are in 2000, well, now we're in 2016, but you know, 2015 when it's recorded, and we're still um, hearing this dr these drums being beaten. It's like, wow, it okay. <laughs> it's like the football team that keeps running the exact same play every single every single time, and they keep getting stopped. You know, on a on their 20 yard line. You know, and and but they're not. You know, it's they're not trying to find any new. So, you know, but, I, that, I hope... but, but but in their defense, in FFOZ's defense, they don't think that they're getting stopped. I think that they that they honestly well, they think there's they think that, that there's an, they must have some indicator of advancing uh, of of their cause. Well, you know, I, th I, mean, I so think that's... that I think that they honestly believe that they have uh, pr proven their point and put up good cases for it. But hence, from a, hence but from back a, to the that the rigorous uh, training. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. I, I'd be I'd be interested. Who were the Who were the teachers? I, who Who were these guys' teachers? I, I really like to know that. If anybody wants to know who my teachers are, I'll give me a call. I'll talk to you about all my teachers. You know, it's it's, uh, it's stated I, right, isn't it? Stated right there on the web, on our website. No, I mean, but if, I, I'd be curious. Like, who did <clears throat> who did these people learn from that are that put this material together? I, I don't. I'm not hearing that. I'm, uh, anyway, okay. Let's if keep going. If this. they're big on oral, if they're big on oral Torah, then that means they must see, they, to imbibe oral Torah according to rabbinic ideology is to be discipled by a, a rabbi, to be a disciple of a rabbi, and to to be part of a, a, a Talmud or whatever rabbinic literature study group and that but, there's going to be a teacher there's going to be a, a teacher and i want to know who their teachers are but don't you but don't you think that if they were well, let's pretend for a few seconds that mr janicki is has actually uh been studying under a quote-unquote orthodox rabbi what, okay. whatever that might look like okay he might not want to share well he might not want to share but beyond that don't you think that uh if 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 mr janicki is still trying to uh come at uh these texts from a talmudic perspective that that rabbi is going to tell him that these texts, depending on what rabbi it is, obviously, might tell him that these texts were extant be, long before, all the way from Moses. Right. Exactly. And so, and so that's him. The, that's the conundrum. Yeah. That they're. That they're so in. so so it, it might not. It might be that you know. And a lot of the time, what we see, uh, at least within the scholarly world of the SBL and and whatnot, is that the rabbis who are in the scholarly world realize they're not able to say things like that and so they don't they they have to deal with the other scholars 
Whereas rabbis who don't care about that world, they aren't in the SBL, they're just in the Jewish realm, they're able to make those leaps and bounds like without, without having to prove. In other words, I can, you know, a, scholar, a, a rabbi who's not in the scholarly world but only in the rabbinic world is going to tell you that the oral Torah goes back to Moses. It was handed out all the way from there, and therefore, uh, yes, of course it was around in the, in the uh, first century, and of course Jesus is, is, uh, is dealing with those texts. However, a rabbi who's not who's not just in the rabbinical world, but in the scholarly world, is going to like Newsner is going to have to tell you, no, this doesn't go back to the to the first century. And, and that that gets back to that funny <laughs> clip we had from uh, <laughs> remember the clip from the movie The Big Short, oh, yeah, yeah. where the the rabbi's talking to the the mom. Well, what's the problem, Rabbi? He's trying to find inconsistencies in the Word of God. <laughs> Did he do it? Well, <laughs> Well, the idea is this, is in that worldview, in that hashkafah, the words of the sages are the words of the living God. Yes, exactly. The words of the sages are the words of the living God. So the, uh, a worldview that is embracing that in the, what we would call the orthodox or ultra-orthodox community is not going to present halakha as an invention of man. It's not going to. Uh, for example, take Yeshiva University, if we look at, at America, American Orthodox institution, um, Dr. Lamb, Dr. Norman Lamb, he was, I, if he, was he the dean or something? He was up there. Um, the halakha is the capital W, word of God. Yeah, exactly. His, his words in English text that he wrote. And so to be a disciple of Yeshua and to try to live in a world where the pillars of those institutions in the world today hold to capital H, Halacha, yeah. as the capital W, Word of God, you, you've got a, a different situation than what I'm hearing in, in these presentations. They're, not, they're saying that there must be – they're not going that extreme. There, there's a blurry area that they want to hang out in. I, or something. I, it's not entirely clear to me. Or maybe it's not entirely clear to, to them. them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's let's keep going. This clip, we're only uh, 37 seconds in, and this clip is uh, two minutes long. Here we go. Obviously, they decide, right, Gentiles do not have to convert and become legally Jewish. Instead, they're to keep these four laws. But if we're talking about, if our hashkafa is going to include the idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to think that the apostles did the same thing. Okay, hang so on. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to say Hashkafa. No, okay, That's yeah. Ashkenazi. But, okay, uh, but who cares? Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> get, get over the, the, the way that they pronounce their words. The point is, is that he says, if we listen to what he says, this is very telling. If we are going to take the oral Torah as part of our, part of our Hashkafa, that we have to assume that the apostles did the same thing. That's what he just said. Listen. Torah, then certainly the idea of the oral. But if we're talking about if our hashkafa is going to include the idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to think that the apostles did the same thing. This is total. This is the this is the definition of eisegesis. An anachronism, uh, both. I, 
this is wow. I mean, that statement right there is should get like sound clip of the day. Uh, I'm sorry that let's let's listen to it one more time. I I want I want to beat this. I want to beat this into people's minds so that they, they let's, understand yeah, what Yeah, let's be saying. clear on the statement. You're right. Yeah. Let's clear up. Let's Talking clear. about if our hashkafa is going to include the idea of the oral Torah, then certainly we have to think that the apostles did the same thing. Wrong. So they're not sitting here saying, you know, oh, well, uh, you know, if they don't convert, uh, let's, uh, let's think of maybe four laws. Do you think that would be a good place to start? Where are they getting this? Is Go ahead. Here's here's the this is the same problem is the commitment is it's as if because with the other lecture who was it uh Boaz Mike or not Boaz Mike Jeremiah Jeremiah Michaels was saying that um there's so much benefit with the oral Torah because it'll teach us the written Torah and so. The oral Torah was presented as a valuable lens through which the written Torah can be understood, almost to the sense that you might be afraid to read the Torah on your own and interpret it. And, and therefore, so in other words, we have this ancient sacred text, and we have to interpret it. And so how do I, how do I know and can be, how can I be confident about my interpretations of this ancient text written in an ancient language? Well, uh, what we heard from the Jeremiah, uh, to, uh, Michael, Michael's uh, uh, presentation was that it, it's the oral Torah provides that lens, and then what we're hearing now with it's Janaki is saying the apostolic writings have to be understood through the oral Torah lens. What we're not hearing at all is back to this. The idea of exegesis. We're not hearing someone start with the text and expound the meaning of the text. There's a fear. There's almost like a fear of understanding the text in its own time and letting it speak for itself. And instead, they're bringing this dark, this cloud from anachronistically bringing this later cloud over and insisting that everybody understand it through that. And it's distorting the Word of God with the traditions of here's man. The, here's the thing, though, from his lecture. Okay, when we think about it, when we listen to this now, this statement right here, he's basing what he's saying on this statement. If we see the if if the oral Torah is going to influence our hashkafa, then it must have influenced the apostles' hashkafa. I'm sorry, but I think that that discounts pretty much everything that he's going to say about it after that, because that's a, a totally false statement. And not only that, but it's a totally false outlook. And I'm not trying to be to- mean to Toby, but uh, I'm to Mr. Janicki. But at the same time, ha- ha- this is not the way that we that we uh, do our study. The revelation of who Yeshua is was not transmitted from teacher to disciple. It was the Holy Spirit. It's the Ruach HaKodesh. Yeah. It's just what Yeshua said to Simon Peter. He says, <clears throat> Blessed are you, Shimon Bar Yonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed to this to you, but my Father in heaven. In heaven, yeah, and, exactly. And we have, we have it with Peter. We have Paul says it in Galatians. He says, I did not receive this from man. In John chapter 1, 
They were not born of man or the will of man, but of God. In other words, this idea of discipleship and and um, where tra- uh, tradition, sacred oral uh, Torah, all the way from Moses, is transmitted in every generation, and that it is the words of the living God, and that is, and in later rabbinics, that's where you, you actually the 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 rabbi who teaches a disciple Torah, it's as if he gave birth to him. It's as if he's his father. It's yeah. even as if he created him. Okay, this is so important that we recognize that who we are in Yeshua is not our work. It's the work of the Ruach HaKodesh. It's the work of God by what he did through Yeshua. Now, why is that important? That means that that all the, the disciples' interactions with the, with the Jewish world of their day— and the larger Israel uh, notions of Israel, whether it was the Samaritans, they had a notion of who Israel was, whether it was the Judeans, um, and so on and so forth, was not under any kind of uh, authority. They, they, they weren't seeking to be affirmed. Acts chapter 7, Stephen was not seeking to be affirmed by the Sanhedrin. He was speaking by the Ruach HaKodesh prophetically about who testifying to who the risen Messiah is for all time and through whom there only is their forgiveness of sin. That was his testimony. He wasn't trying to say, well, let me show you how halakhically this all works so that we can all live together. No, it's a call to repentance. And I, I just I, – there's so much of this is lost, and I, I my heart – aches for the, the those souls those flo- those of Yeshua's flock who are in the audience listening to this and eating this and and that it's see it's, I, my, my, it's leading my, them in the wrong direction that's that's my view my heart my heart breaks for Toby Janicki I real I really do feel for a Toby I mean pulling all these clips I, I I've I've been in prayer for Toby because I just it's it's very discouraging anyway okay let's keep listening to this clip Let's uh, let's think of maybe four laws. Do you think that'd be a good place to start? Where are they getting this? Is what I'm is what I'm asking you. Is this just something they made up? Was this a revelation from heaven? No. The apostolic decree is actually based upon a sort of uh, prototype or early form of the Noahide laws and the concept of the Ger Toshav. We're going to go into this in detail. In other words, we're, we're never getting through these clips. We got okay. we're, we're halfway through the third clip. We got eight clips to go through. There's no way we're going to do. We're going to have to do another show on this, I guess. There's <laughs> no way we can't we can't let that go. <laughs> OK, go ahead. This this is another not only not only is there anachronism going on here, but the, our speaker is misunderstanding how these mitzvot b'nei Noah, these, these commandments of the sons of Noah, so-called, functioned in the Mishnaic and Talmudic era. They functioned as a condemnation yeah, exactly. of Gentiles. Yeah, not and as it's a, not no. the same. And on the other hand, Acts 15 tells us it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. C- clearly. James gives, or Yaakov says this, it seemed good to the Ruach HaKodesh and to us. And the us is a council of, 
born-again Jews that see all of tradition, all of Jewish history, all of Israelite history through the lens of the risen King Messiah of Israel, whom they said, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? All things in heaven and earth are under his authority. That's their order. That's their order. They're not looking to any human institution for legitimation. It's the other way around. The other, they're being criticized and persecuted and put to death because they're not towing the line of the of the institution. You got more? Come on now. Oh, I just. <laughs> I, I can't believe people are still uh, telling people these things. I, I, it's I, it's like it's 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 like blindness. It's it's I, I see the blind leading blind. Okay. I, I pray that that people who hear this and uh, that the Lord opens their eyes so that they can see, um, you know, that things like chronology matters. You know, by, chronology is a biblical value. You know, that's why things happen. That's why we have the first and second Kings, first and second Samuel, first and second Chronicles. Why? Because we're supposed to see things develop over time. Um, and, and what we're doing is we're, we're taking, it's like that movie I saw. Uh, it's like it was done in the sixties. It was a movie of, uh, I think it might've been the Bible, uh, called the Bible, you know, where they try to cram all these Bible stories. Well, I think if I remember if that was the movie, it's in the 60s. There's a scene where it's like in the tent with Abraham and Sarah. And he's, I think he's either singing her a song or he's reciting it. But it's Shir Hashirim. It's the Song of Solomon. <laughs> so, so here you have Abraham singing to Sarah. And the song is uh, the Song of Solomon. You know, So it, it's kind of this sort of thing where you have something from a later time imposed back, and then we're dem- we, we have to see it on the terms of the later thing. And uh, the, only, the only later thing that, that determines our view of everything is the, the birth, you know, ministry, teaching, death, resurrection, ascension, and intercession of Yeshua. That frames our view of everything before and everything after. But to take the Talmud, and to tell people they need to understand Acts 15 through the view of the Talmud is so misguided. It's absolutely scholarly, uh, scholarly, scholarly irresponsible, uh, irresponsibility, and inexcusable in this day and age. It's it, it. They might as well be using Strong's Concordance as their dictionary for the Tanakh. Oh wow. Ooh. It's the, it's on the same level as Hebrew word pictures. It's it's a misuse of scripture. It's a misrepresentation of the of what is the living word of God. Okay, let's keep going. We we're still only a minute and twenty three seconds into this two minute clip. Sort of a prototype or early form of the Noahide laws and the concept of the Ger Toshav. We're going to go into this in detail. In other words. Today, if you would go into a Jewish bookstore and you would pick up a book, a Noahide book, and you'd you'd start reading about how do I become a Noahide, it's very set, it's very defined. But in the days of the apostles, uh, in the days of the master, things were still being debated. So we don't know for sure 
that you have the exact Noahide category, but certainly there was something like it, the evidence suggests. And the same with the Ger Toshav. What's the evidence that, he, that suggests it? Is he going to give evidence? Well, he is going to reference uh, the Book of Jubilees. Oh. He's going to... Now, he's not going to actually quote it to you. He just he, throws the title out He's there. just going to say, they do this in the Book of Jubilees. That's a good reference. Here's what I think, Rob. Okay, so we're at 56 minutes right now, which... Uh, we usually stay around an hour to an hour and a half. Now, we have one, two, three, four, five clips left. We've only gotten through three clips this show. And uh, so what we could do is we could uh, have this show for uh, the, the week of camp, when we're at camp. And then we can, pre-record, uh, we can pre-record another show for the week after when I'm in Disneyland. Cool. So people will have to listen to two pre-recorded shows, and then maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll do a special show where we will play uh, two like uh, we'll play something from camp and then uh, a live show as well. So okay, here's a, here's a yeah rabbit trail. Stay away from anything that looks like it might have an alligator in it. That's in yes okay. That's in Florida. I'm not going oh, to Florida. Oh, that's Disney World. Yes, that was not a good joke. That's a horrible joke. It's a horrible joke. Let's edit that out. Okay. Probably not, but still. All right. Uh, that's what we'll do. So I'll tell you what. Um, you will be listening to this show early uh, while we're at camp, and then we'll go and we'll uh, record another one, which will air next week. When you're listening to this, the next show will air next week that's pre-recorded. We're going to finish up all of these uh, clips next week then, and we hope that you will join us then. Anything before we go, Rob? Oh, shalom to everybody. Hey, uh, read. Read a lot. Study. Read your Bible as interpreted by the Ruach HaKodesh. No doubt. Hey, we, uh, yes, this is obviously a hot topic, uh, but we hope that you gain something out of it. We hope that our listening audience is starting to be able to pick up when teachers uh, throw things out there that are just these assertions uh, without without backing up, them up with any evidence. Because it seems like in the Messianic slash Hebrew Roots movement, that's something that goes on all the time like oh i'll just say something and people will just accept it and the worst part is, is that people do accept it well don't just accept what people are saying uh let the red flags go up and we hope that as you do that your study will uh, become more to glorify our great god and savior yeshua the messiah mm-hmm.